May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Gaudete in domino semper iterum dicto. Gaudete. This is the opening line of the introit, the opening chant that traditionally begins the mass for today. The opening words of the introits are often used as the name for unusual services. And this is the case today as this Sunday, as Father Ben told us, has been known as Gaudete Sunday for hundreds of years. The opening words of the introit are taken from Philippians 4.4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. The introit, along with all our readings this morning, highlight a single theme, Gaudete. The Latin word can be translated as either rejoice or be glad, but the idea is the same, to be full of joy. Joy is the theme of this Sunday. And a Sunday on joy may seem a little strange in the midst of a penitential season. Advent is a time of waiting, of praying, of fasting. And it's important that we have this season. The church calendar is such a wonderful gift as it speaks to the entirety of our experience. We all have seasons of growth of celebration, of transformation and renewal, but we also have seasons of want, of lack, of pain, of sadness, of tears. The liturgical year provides a space for all of these. It provides a means for us to see that these rhythms are not just part of our own lives, but are part of God's great story. And in an Advent, we have time to reflect on the story of Scripture and find again our place of joy within it. I like to think of that place as we are children of the twilight. We exist in the gloaming after the darkness of the time before our Lord's first coming and before the dawn and eternal light of his second. We inhabit the in-between And as such, joy can be difficult as our lives are not yet free from the darkness of pain and sorrow. And as we've been reminded over the last two weeks, the evil of sin and death remains. Indeed, its power and shadow can even seem to wax and grow at times. Wars, division and hatred Cancer, divorce, injustice, the list goes on and on. It's enough to drive one to despair. And yet our lives as Christians are meant to be marked not by this, but by joy. Really? How? Why? And the commands of Scripture are plain. Over and over we're told to rejoice, to be glad. Joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit. But what about all the misery, the tears, the sadness in this present half-lit darkness? Just because the Bible says I should be joyful doesn't make it so. After all, Jesus himself was called a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. 
So what am I to be? To be joyful or to be sorrowful? Well, maybe the issue is I don't really understand what joy and sorrow are. The great theologian Thomas Aquinas famously writes concerning joy that it is the possession of and participation in that which we desire. And I think if we reflect on this for just a minute, we all instinctively understand this to be true. Let me give you an example. It's almost time for Christmas. And one of the things that all parents and grandparents love about this holiday is the joy that we see as our children and grandchildren open their presents. A joy that comes in just a small way from possessing and participating in something that they desired. As Jesus says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And desire is then bound up with love because we desire what we love. Joy then is the result of love. As Aquinas says, joy is caused by love, either by the presence or possession of the thing loved, or it's also caused by hope in our looking forward in hopeful anticipation to our participation in and enjoyment of our desire. And that would mean sorrow is the opposite. The dispossession of the thing loved or being prevented from participating in it or enjoying it. And here we encounter a mystery. If we accept this definition of joy, we find that joy and sorrow unite in a relationship. And as we look closely at the great story of Scripture, I think we can find a deep meaning in the union of sorrow and joy. Because, see, it's right for us in this in-between shadow land to be sorry, sorrowful, truly sorrowful, as we see the world deprived of God's love. The ways in which our nations, ourselves, and even creation itself are out of sync with its creator. And just as darkness and shadows are the absence of light, so sorrow and pain are the absence of God's love that we have to bear in this world. According to the great story, it's all tied up in the ways in which our sins, mankind's sins, have turned our hearts and our love away from God and failed to participate in his love. And that rejection has affected and infected all of creation. We see it in the state of the world, in the pain, the hurt, injustice, broken hearts, homes, and lives. And yet sorrow and joy are not mutually exclusive. In fact, the story of Advent is that God is not willing to leave us alone in our sorrow. This is where our gospel passage joins this theme. See, John is here to testify to that fact to the fact that light, the light, even then, 
had become incarnate on earth. And that in the incarnation, the eternal light of God was housed in human flesh. In the incarnation, he, the one we should most desire and love, who is the true source of all joy, because he is love. And out of his love and desire for us, he took on flesh. And love entered into our sorrows. As Jesus himself says later in the Gospel of John, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. I have said these things to you so that my, you, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. He who for all eternity has existed in the perfect and eternal relationship of love that unites the Trinity. He whose desire for the Father is perfect and whose participation with him is perfect, whose joy then is perfect, came here and inhabited this world. Jesus, perfect in joy, is rightly called a man of sorrows. No one more so. For as his love and joy in the Father was greatest, so also his sorrow was greatest as the ways in which the creation failed to abide in that love was seen and experienced by him. And he took all that sorrow with him to the cross so that we who are trapped in sin and darkness and sorrow might be freed from it through his death that we might be, as the prophet Elijah says, clothed in garments of salvation, covered with robes of righteousness, so that he might restore our fortunes like the water courses in the Negev, as the psalmist says. So rejoice, because joy and sorrow meet at the same place where mercy and justice meet. At the cross, the Christian's life of joy is not without pain and suffering. Christian life has all of these. But in the cross, they're taken by our Lord and God. And at the cross, we can and do find true joy. For it is only through the death, resurrection, and incarnation of Jesus Christ that we are able to love and desire him who first loved and desired us. And it is only in a cruciform life that we're able to participate in that which we should love above all else. And in the participation of our deepest love, there is joy. So rejoice. We are rightly called to a life of joy because even in the sadness and the sorrows of this shadow land, in between, where we wait as the Thessalonians were for the final victory, the vindication, the defeat of the Lord's enemies, for the death of death itself. For the end of the story, what should we do? Gaudete, rejoice, win, always. Because even when things are the darkest, when pain and suffering in this twilight time are at their worst, 
We can still cling to our most valuable possession, the eternal love of the Father that is ours through Jesus Christ. And none of these things, sorrows, pain, even death, as the Apostle Paul reminds us, can separate us from that love. And in possessing it, we have what we were made for. The deepest desire of mankind, union and fellowship with the triune God. A life of light and love, indeed of joy, that no darkness, no sorrow, no, not even death can ever take from us. So, Gaudete, rejoice. But our passages this morning have, I think, one more thing to tell us about joy. Joy, as Aquinas reminds us, is more than just the possession of our desire. It is our participation in it. And each of us is individually called to participate in the life and love of God. Jesus is the light of the world as he inhabits us. As our desire for him and life with him deepens, we become clearer and clearer reflections of his life. As we go deeper into his love and desire for possession and participation in God, we, like mirrors, can tilt ourselves ever so slightly more and more in line with God and the light of God. And therefore, we are joyfully able to reflect that light out into the darkness. The words that Isaiah spoke were not about John, just about John, or just about Jesus. They're about me. They're about you. We all have in our baptism been filled with the Spirit of God. All of us have been anointed. So read that passage from Isaiah again and see ourselves as its subject. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us. Because the Lord has anointed us, he has sent us to bring good news to the oppressed, for us to bind up the brokenhearted, for us to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, for us to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, for us to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion at St. James. In Jackson, oh, he has work for us to do, and we have the great joy of participating in that work, in the desire of our desire, and sharing the love of him who we love most, of taking his light out into the darkness. And in our journey, carrying this light out into the shadows, there will still be sorrow, But remember the words of the psalmist, those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. Or if you will permit me the pleasure of quoting from J.R.R. Tolkien, whose stories so powerfully reflect and expose the human experience. As Sam and Frodo sit on the edge of Mount Doom in the land of shadows, and are tempted by their pain and misery to despair, 
Tolkien writes this about Sam. And as we so often look out at our world and see only pain and misery and sorrow, may his words for Sam be for us as well. For like a shaft clear and cold, the thought pierced him that in the end, the shadow was only a small and passing thing. And there was light and high beauty forever beyond its reach. So, Gaudete in Domino Semper Iterum Dico. Gaudete. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Now may the God of love be our deepest desire and the source of all our joy, that we might come to more and more know and love him and participate in his eternal love and fellowship and to be his anointed, carrying his light and love into a dark and sorrowful world through our Lord Jesus Christ, through his incarnation, his death and resurrection, to him, to you, and to the Holy Spirit, be honor and glory now and forever. Amen.